to bear fruit in my life. So Lord, even though I don't like this, will you accomplish your purposes because you want to bear fruit in my life? You want me to be fruitful. And as I am united to Christ through his finished work by the Spirit, God can use anything to make me fruitful. But doesn't that change the situation? Doesn't that change whatever you're going through right now and you say, okay, God's design is to make me fruitful right now. God's design is to make you fruitful right now. Can you imagine how much that would change your reactions to the hard circumstances you face? It doesn't matter what mountain is in front of you or what giant needs slaying. When you keep in mind that your ultimate purpose is to produce fruit, the perspective shifts and anything becomes doable. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will show you what it means to live in surrender to God's purposes. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Ruth chapter 4 as he continues his message, God's Plan All Along. God's design is to make you fruitful right where you are. He wants to bear fruit in your life. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15, verse 8. It says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Now, I think that this is a huge antidote to distractions because one of the ways we get distractions is we forget the big ideas of what God is actually trying to do in our lives. And really what God is trying to do in your life and in my life and the life of everybody is God is trying to bear fruit in our lives. And when you are united to Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus... Through abiding in Christ, God bears fruit. If you remember John 15, he talks about how I am the vine and you are the branches. Separated from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. So the idea is, just as Boaz and Ruth, they're coming together and there is a oneness. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him and then you abide in him. And as you abide in him, the resurrected life of Jesus by his Holy Spirit interacts with your life and bears fruit in your life. Now, here's the thing, and I've said this a million times, I'm going to keep saying it because I believe it's true, is that depending on your circumstances and how you feel about them, the things that you go through will either make you bitter or better. Everything that you go through will either make you bitter or better. Now, you will get bitter by messy circumstances if you divorce those circumstances from Jesus. You will get bitter. Because life can be rude and cold in those ways. But if you realize that God is trying to bear fruit in your life, you, even though you might not like the situation, you will say, God, I know that you're trying to bear fruit in my life. And so, Lord, have your way. Let me give you an example of this. And I was trying to think of, I mean, so many examples of this. But you think of someone like Joni Erickson Tata. Many of you know who she is. She, as a young woman, she had an accident and she ended up in a wheelchair. Right? Now, for Joni Erickson Tata, she realized that God wanted to use the wheelchair as a way to bring glory to himself. And her life in ministry has been a great example of somebody who has suffered tremendous hardships, 
but has allowed God to cultivate the fruit of the spirit in her life and has used it for a powerful way. But we all unfortunately know people who've ended up in wheelchairs who are just mad at the world. They think God cursed me and put me here. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between Jody Erickson Tata and someone who's bitter about their wheelchair? Know what the difference is? The way they're choosing to deal with the same situation. But here's the thing. God wants you to realize that in every single situation, his goal is to bear fruit in your life. And this is why it's such a huge distraction, because you know what goes on for most of us? Something happens that we don't prefer, and we automatically think, God must not like me, or God must be really mean, or God isn't real. But instead, when you realize that God wants to bear fruit in my life, now there's no wasted moments in your life. There's nothing that goes on that you don't think to yourself, God wants to bear fruit in my life. So Lord, even though I don't like this, Will you accomplish your purposes because you want to bear fruit in my life? You want me to be fruitful. And as I am united to Christ through his finished work by the Spirit, God can use anything to make me fruitful. Doesn't that change the situation? Doesn't that change whatever you're going through right now and you say, okay, God's design is to make me fruitful right now. But you know what happens for most of us? We get so caught up in that we have something going on that we don't like that we don't even give God the chance to bear fruit in our life. Some of you have those cool cars. Your car is so cool that you need your spare tire on the back of the car. You know what I mean? And I know you're cool. That's why you have that. Most of you hide it under the car somewhere, but you got to have it on the back of the car. But you want it on the back of the car. I mean, some of you, your tire is so cool that you just have the tire, but everyone else puts a cover on the tire. How many have ever seen the Tweety Bird tire cover? Right? You know the Tweety Bird one. Tweety Bird's there. He's got his hands. I think Tweety's a dude. I don't know. Tweety's got their Tweety paws on their hips and got the furrowed brow. Like, you all know what I'm talking about? So for most of us, when God does something that we don't want, that's how we get Tweety Bird. We're like, I don't like this. Hmm. Hmm. Right? And what happens is, is that's a total distraction. That's a total distraction because now what you're doing is you're divorcing God's desire to make you fruitful from your situation. Now, for some people, that happens for a long time, right? You lose huge stretches of time when God's like, look, this situation, although not welcomed, is actually designed by me to bear fruit in your life that can only be born through this situation if you will but trust me. And I'm sure there's a lot of you here right now, you're like, oh. That's totally me. Listen, you can't go back and relive yesterday, but you do have control over today. Listen, God wants to bear fruit in your life. And you know what the fruit that God wants to bear in your life? It's the fruit of his spirit. So you get all the fruit. No, it's the fruit of his spirit. You guys know what the fruit of the spirit is, right? It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such there is what? No law, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 in the beginning of 23, right? So what you realize very quickly is that what God wants to do is he wants to bear fruit in your life. Now, what's beautiful in the book of Galatians is that it's a singular fruit with multiple characteristics. And it's not you have to bear your fruit. It's the fruit of what? The spirit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit by abiding in who? In him. So the beauty, this is not about works righteousness. This is about how you choose to live your life every single day. And what I love here is that Ruth didn't allow her circumstances to make her bitter. Naomi did for a little bit. 
And you have to ask yourself, how distracted are you by not receiving the things that you think you want rather than being focused on the fact that no matter what, God's going to bear fruit in your life. And my friends, that is the offer that God has to us. For many of us, we're so used to being distracted by us not getting things that we want. See, what I believe is I believe that this idea that God wants us to be fruitful, he's glorified that we bear much fruit. The fruit of the spirit comes as we simply respond to Jesus, as we trust God in the moments of our lives. I believe that this is an organizing principle for life. No matter what comes up, you say, Lord, will you bear the fruit you want to bear in my life? Say, Lord, will you help me to navigate this knowing that you are a good God doing good things? And even though I don't like this, I don't want this to make me bitter. I want Jesus, you to make me better. And that transforms the situation, doesn't it? See, Boaz and Ruth, they're fruitful. And that's powerful. But it doesn't only stop there because we see Ruth and Boaz, they come together, they're fruitful. And then from there, look at what happens next. In verse 14, it says, Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. Now, there's a couple things here. First, the scene shifts from Boaz and Ruth and now this son who is born. And now it moves back to Naomi. Now, what's beautiful here is that the women who one time came to Naomi and was so happy she's back and Naomi's bitter, now they begin to praise the Lord. So it's the testimony of what's going on here that's causing them to praise the Lord. They say, praise the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you as a restorer of life and a nourisher of our old age. Now, there's four steps in here that I think is super important for the way we look at Jesus. Notice, first they praise God because God has not left Naomi without a redeemer. So the first step is that we praise God because God has not left us without a redeemer either. In this case, it's in the physical sense with Boaz being the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. But for you and I, God has absolutely not left you without a redeemer. That redeemer's name is Jesus. And listen, that's an awesome thing. Now, I realize because everyone is in a different place in their faith journey, there's a number of you who have received God's grace through Jesus. I always say that faith is the hands that receive the free gift of God. That's what it is. Right? But you know how it is. Sometimes you give someone a gift, they don't want your gift. Like imagine if I came out here, I had a big box, it's all wrapped, it's got a little bow on top. Right? And I'm like, hey, I got a gift for you. And you're like, uh, no. I don't want your gift. I don't think I like you. I don't think I need your gift. Right? See, faith, the gift is already prepared. Faith is the hands that receive the gift and receive it. Take it to yourself. Now, you may not believe in Jesus, but Jesus has already died and has already been resurrected from the grave. The only thing that's lacking is its application to your life, which is what faith is. Faith is when someone reaches out and receives the gift that God wants to give you of salvation. So God hasn't left you without a redeemer. Now, you might be here and be like, well, I'm not going to put my faith and trust in Jesus here, Fusco. Fine, that's fine. But does it 
negate the fact that Jesus is the redeemer. And if you at any point in your life were to reach out and receive him, you will be saved. So my only thing is, is that at some point you're going to realize I really need a redeemer. And Jesus is that redeemer. See, but what's amazing is that if you were to walk out on the street right now and hand somebody a gift, if they don't even know you, they'll probably take it from you because people love gifts. Isn't it true? You know, they may be like, what's in it? You know? Like, I meet a lot of you. I mean, this is a big church. I haven't met everyone. People are like, hey, I got you this. I made you this cake. I just eat that thing, you know? I mean, you could make the worst cake in history. It could make me sick. I'll eat it anyway. Because I trust. You're not trying to make, you might want to make me a little plump, but not sick. You know? But think about that. It's like people love to receive gifts. So what would keep you from receiving the gift of God? He is the redeemer. He hasn't left you alone. But not only that, once you receive the redeemer, again, they say, you know, may he be famous in all of Israel. So we exist. If you've received Jesus as your redeemer, your job is to make him famous. That's our job. Our job is to lift up the name of Jesus. There's no other job other than that. You don't want to be famous. You want Jesus to be famous, right? And then not only that, and may he be to you a restorer of life. I love that. Now, when you think about the good news of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is not that you had a life and then Jesus gave you a better life. The good news of Jesus is that you were dead and Jesus made you alive again. Now, I know it's not popular to talk that way, but it's really real. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That includes me. What that means is that before you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you mowed your lawn and you did social media and you had a job or you went to school, but really you're a zombie. Now, I don't know what zombies do all day, right? And in the movies, the zombies don't do anything that seems semi-normal. But outside of Jesus, you are dead spiritually. You might have spiritual thoughts and ideas, but you are legitimately dead in your trespasses and sins. But Jesus isn't content to leave you as part of the zombie apocalypse walking around doing social media, commenting on articles. He wants to restore your life. And what's powerful is that's exactly what Jesus does. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he gives you his own life. He shares his life with you. And you get to walk in a newness of life. And what I love is that when somebody who's been walking as a zombie through life for a long time, when they put their faith, trust in Jesus, and all of a sudden their strength is renewed and they have joy like a young person. All I, I can't believe how awesome this is because Jesus is the restorer of life. But not only is he the restorer of life, it also says here about, they're talking to Naomi, of course. They say, and a nourisher of your old age, the sustainer of your old age. Now for Naomi, she's older, but really what God wants to do is he wants to nourish whatever season in life you're in right now. He wants to be the sustainer, the nourisher. He wants to help bring out whatever period of life you're in, whatever season of life you're in. If you're single, he wants to nourish you there. If you're married, he wants to nourish you there. If you are young, he wants to nourish you there. If you are not so young anymore, he wants to nourish you there. If you are retired, he wants to be your sustainer. And if you're just trying to find a job, guess what? He wants to be your sustainer. If you're a male or you're a female, if you've been walking with Jesus for decades, or if you're going to start following Jesus today, he wants to sustain you on this step of life. And that's what I love. As he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, he can sustain you. And he wants to sustain you. That's what he offers you. This life, he'll give you life and he'll give you life more abundantly. 
And so these women, they're praising God for his provision in the life of Naomi. And then I think it's beautiful what goes on, because then she says, for your daughter-in-law, middle of verse 15, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. Now, remember when Naomi came back? She said, my life's horrible, it's miserable. It doesn't even acknowledge Ruth, right? And now, because of Ruth's faithfulness, she's better than seven sons. I think that's so cool. Remember, you know, Naomi had two sons, Malon and Chilion. They're like, man, you get those two, you times it by three and add a half. Ruth's so much better. Now, here's the thing. Let me say this real quick, real quick. You should be the kind of person that the people around you are so blessed by your integrity, by who you are, that someone be like, man, they're better than having seven friends. Does that make sense? Like, you want to be, like, what a testimony to the faithfulness of God in the life of Ruth. That in the beginning, it was like, man, I got this daughter-in-law here, but I don't know what she's doing here. They're like, man, she's better than seven sons. And that's the kind of testimony you should have. If you're following Jesus and you're trusting him, you'll be the kind of person you'll be like, man, I don't need 900 friends. I got you. You're better than 900 fake Facebook friends. Your joy in this situation is better than a thousand likes on Instagram. You and who you are in Christ is better than to have a multitude of people who are lukewarm. And they realize that about Ruth. Naomi's blessed. She's better than having seven sons. Shows the testimony of who she is. Now, I want to give you another principle here, because look at what happens next. All this is said, and then it says about Naomi, verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. Now, I love this, because what goes on here is that Naomi, now that she's got this child doesn't just sit back and be like, okay, I take my pictures, this is my baby, and then never do anything to sugar the kid up and send him home, right? Naomi literally takes him and nurses him to herself. Why? Because you and I need to learn how to give as God has given to you. See, Naomi isn't content just to receive from God, but because she's received from God, now she wants to give. And this is a huge principle for us. It's one of the keys to dealing with distraction, that everything you receive, you should be giving as God has given to you. Your life has been recreated in Christ that you might be a flow through for the blessings of God as you receive it to flow through your life. And this is one of the biggest reasons we're all distracted today is because we live in a selfish society. Right? So you receive from God, and you're like, okay, I got it now. Right? So as God blesses you, what goes on is now you say, oh, God's blessings are for me. And then you buy all this stuff that you have to spend all of your energy trying to keep up all this stuff that you bought, right? Only to realize that you were never supposed to be building up barns of stuff that fall apart, but you were supposed to be taking what He's given you and you're supposed to be giving in the same way. And I'm here to tell you, 21st century America, this is a very serious problem for the church. And know what the other problem is, is I say this, and there's a whole bunch of you who are like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this right now. I like my stuff. Guess what? Satan likes that you have your stuff too. Why? Because how often does it happen? All you ever wanted was to have all this acreage, right? And then on your day off, you spend all day taking care of your acreage. Now, listen, I like land like the next person, okay? But guess what? Is that really God's purpose for your life for you just to ride around on the John Deere? I mean, John Deere digs that you do it. I think Satan digs that you do it too. You know why? 
Because if you spend your whole day off trying to keep up the property, where does the gospel getting out play into that? Now, listen, I'm not knocking it. But you know what's amazing? People, when they go through their midlife crisis, like, I need to get rid of one of my 187 cars. Because I can only drive one car at a time. Maybe I can keep, you know, one to drive around and one for fun, right? And you think about all the upkeep it takes and all this and all that. See, this is the greatest distraction that we have in an affluent Western society is all the stuff. But really, God has given you more so that you can steward what he's given you. I mean, all of us, every single human being is going to give an account for their life. The stewardship. See, a steward is not an owner. The steward is using what someone else has entrusted to them. Right Now, if you're outside of Christ, that stewardship happens at the great white throne of judgment. And if you've never believed in Jesus, no matter how amazing you've been because you're outside of Christ, your life is lost. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that stewardship doesn't happen at the great white throne of judgment. It happens at the judgment seat of Jesus, where Jesus literally is trying our works to see of what sort they are, either wood, hay, and stubble, or gold and silver and precious stones. The idea is once you're in Christ, how do you build into God's kingdom? And here's the thing. For a lot of us, we're really content to be in God's kingdom, but to only be building in wood, hay, and stubble, that's going to burn up. We're doing things that have no eternal value. We spend all of our time focused on things that don't mean a whole lot. There's a saying that I've heard, and it always makes me kind of horrified. It says, the problem is not being unsuccessful. The problem is being successful at things that don't matter at all. And we live in a world that has distracted us and say, this is how you get to where you want to get to, only to realize that all that stuff doesn't matter at all. But we do it. And because we're in the groove of this thing, we don't even think twice about it. And we're so used to, you know, maybe you got a raise, you got a raise, like, yes, I got a raise. I'm going to get 97 more channels on my TV so I can't find more things to watch. Or you're like, man, you know, oh, I got a tax return. Instead of getting one 80-inch 4K TV, I'm going to get four. To flip on channels that you can't find things to watch anyway. Now, I'm not knocking the TV. I'm not knocking the 80-inch 4K televisions either. But really what I'm saying is, is that really why God gave you all that? Maybe God gave you that. Because there's all sorts of people who are hungry that God wants you to feed. Maybe the reason God gave you that is because there is work for the kingdom going on all over the world that needs funding. And God gave it to you because he's like, look, I don't want you to store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. But I want you to store up your treasures in heaven. Maybe God gave you that amazing, charismatic personality, not so you can build up your Facebook friends or, and meet all these people, but maybe he's done it so that you can be a purveyor of the gospel. Jesus is real. Depending on your circumstances and how you feel about them, the things in your life will make you bitter or better. You will get bitter if you divorce your messy circumstances from Jesus and his plans. When you realize that God is trying to bear fruit in your life, you'll see that there's no wasted moments. In today's message, Pastor Daniel discussed what it means to live fully submitted to God's plan for your life. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel took us through the story of Ruth, step by step through this journey. We've discovered together that God always has a bigger story in mind. Where we see a love story, God is showing us a picture of the greatest love story of all time, the love between Jesus and his bride. Be sure to come back again next time. Pastor Daniel is going to start a brand new series in the same great love story. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.